This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Welcome to a workaday world. <clears throat> we all work in one way or another. At least we should be working. God worked. He worked for six days, and on the seventh day he rested. So that gives a prescription for our work week. We work six days, and we rest a seventh day. And God, you can see, from the very beginning, inaugurated work. Work was honorable. Work was part of God's plan and purpose for you and for me made in his image. There are many ways in which we work. Sometimes we work even when we think we're not working. Somebody has said that the greatest work that you can do is the work that you enjoy doing and don't think that it's work. Well, whichever way it is for you, work is honorable and not to be demeaned or uh, disputed as something irrelevant, something that is not worthy of our attention or of God's attention. So the mere fact, for instance, that somebody may have devoted their entire life to what we call full-time ministry does not necessarily mean that that's more important work than the rest of the work that you or someone else is doing. Let me give you an idea, a thought. From the moment I graduated from college, a Christian college with a uh, dual major in psychology and in religion, I ended up teaching public school for nine years. The first four of those years, I taught mathematics. The last five of those years, I taught boys' physical education and coached. Then, following that, I went to law school for five years in the evening while I continued working. Then practiced law for 20 years as a trial lawyer in Southern California. And then... During the middle of that, ran twice for the state legislature in California. In addition to that, the Lord spoke to my heart to up and leave the practice of law at the height of my career and to form Save America Ministries as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation in America's greatest crisis hour here on the dear edge of the second coming. Then he said, the way I want you to do that is to launch a national radio program to confront the deepest issues of America's heart and home. Now, I have, here's the question I have for you. Which one of those things that were done that I just recited to you was more important or most important? The answer is they were all important. In fact, they were all so important that without one, the others may not have happened, including my addressing you here today on Viewpoint. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. The reason I recited all those things is not so that you would know me better, but rather so that you can understand that there are many things that God may call us to do at various stages of our life, and they're all valuable and important. That's what we want to talk about here today on Viewpoint. We're going to talk about our work We're going to talk about why our work is important and what you and I can or should do or have the open heart to do, the readiness to do what our guest calls soul work. Finding God in your entrepreneurial pursuits, Lowell 
uh, Busenitz uh, calling us Booznitz. I got that correct now. Booznitz, I've got the correct pronunciation. And uh, he's joining us here uh, today to talk about this uh, fascinating conversation, this fascinating subject. Uh, Lowell, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. What a pleasure to be with you, Chuck. Well, I understand that uh, you are a professor emeritus. Does that mean that you are no longer working as a professor? Well, I still am. I've retired full time, uh-huh. but but I'm still working with uh, with graduate students, uh, doctoral students, working on their on their studies and their uh-huh. dissertations, as well as uh, students who've have graduated and are now professors working on research with them. Uh, and uh, so, but. Well, no, but, wait yeah, a minute. Wait I, a minute, Lowell. You said you, you have retired full time. Now, <laughs> the way you put that makes it sound like you are in full time non work. <laughs> you know, I cannot not work. I did misspeak. You're right. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, you know. Uh, work doesn't go away just because I, quote unquote, retired. So uh, still enjoying the uh, uh, enjoying work a great deal in a variety of different ways. Now, the whole word retirement uh, kind of bothers me as a Christian. Always yeah. did bother me. Uh, my father, uh, who was a pastor for fifty years, uh, then he went into hospital chaplaincy, chaplaincy for twenty years died at 92, he, he didn't think that the, the idea of retirement was even a biblical concept, and he didn't want any part of it. So how is it that in our day today, men are rushing toward retirement as if that's the final and greatest and most glorious opportunity to live life? Yeah, I, you know, I, I can't find the word retirement in my Bible, Chuck. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it is a time that we can maybe take it a little easier. The pressure's off. But, but uh, in, another, in another way, I think it's um, maybe time to review it as the fourth quarter of our lives. We're, there you, you know, go. That, that's you know, exactly what, right. People ask me, Chuck, well, well are, you, are you retired? You know, they look at, at my hair that's uh, obviously whitened <laughs> with time, and they say, are you retired? I don't know how to answer the question. I really don't, because I don't yeah. work for a living, and yet I work constantly. And my wife says, you work more now than you did when you're practicing law. So what is it, this business about working and retirement? And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, everybody needs to be working. God's called us to work, hasn't he? Yes, he has. Absolutely. He modeled it for us. Work was his idea first, as you reviewed at the at the top of the show. Uh, you know, I I used I for years. I thought that, we, we, you know, I would be uh, doing some engaging in some work, being a uh, grew up on a farm and being a bin shoveling grain. And it was itchy and it was like, get this done. And, it was, you know, and I remember thinking to myself. Adam and Eve, why did you have to sin? You know, because I, I, I thought I had to do the bad work because of sin. So was work and, a curse uh, then, or is that what you're saying, that work is a curse? Uh, well, I think that that was my thinking, uh, and I, I no longer think that because God, because work was God's idea first. And uh, not only did he model it for us in uh, chapter 1, but then he, he put Adam to work. 
in the garden mm-hmm. before uh, before the fall and uh, told them to cultivate it and work it. Uh, well, not only so, that, he had to come up with the names for all those animals. He must have known Latin. I know. Isn't that amazing that, that he included man in uh, the uh, coming up with the names for the animals? I, I it is amazing. I think that's a little picture of... Of the creativity that we get, a, we get the privilege of being co-creators, so to speak, uh, with him. Well, he did the big job. <laughs> in in a that. sense, that's really kind of what your book is about. Uh, we are all called, because we're made in the image of God, to be somewhat, in a sense, co-creators with him, doing the work, his work, until Jesus comes, including soul work. We'll be back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Today we're talking about the significance of your work and mine. Our work. Our work on this planet until Jesus comes. The Bible says that we're to occupy until he comes. Now there are a whole lot of things that are including in occupying. In other words, we're to do his will. Well, what does that include? Does that include, is, is that a matter of, say, going to church? Well, Maybe. Is it a matter of uh, brushing your teeth? Yes. Taking care of the temple? It's a matter of lots of things, even things that we think are relatively insignificant. But the reality is, work is not insignificant from God's viewpoint. I think about this. If you go to the Bible, you'll find all kinds of vocations in scriptures. Our guest has listed these out in his book, Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. He talks about carpenters and woodworkers. Well, we know that Jesus was, we're told a carpenter, some think that means a stone, uh, a builder with stone. God, right there in the Old Testament, uh, caused his spirit to come upon Bezalel, and he was extremely skilled in woodwork, woodwork and craftsmanship to build the furnishings of the temple. And how about those that were so skilled as to build the massive structure called the temple and the amazing scroll work and artwork that was made out of bronze? How did they do that? I I certainly couldn't do that. And I'll bet you couldn't do that. In fact, Lowell, I'll bet you couldn't do that either. Somebody, no, I could not. <laughs> somebody had to be gifted and trained to do that. And then Solomon apparently was uh, quite the the business entrepreneur. And, uh, in fact, across country lines, he was a, I wouldn't call him a globalist, but he was uh, in international business, let's put it that way. And there were merchants, even Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth in Thyatira. Paul himself uh, was a merchant, and he was a tent maker all of his life while he did spiritual ministry. Doctors and nurses, I mean, it goes on. Teachers, administrators, government leaders, 
All of these are set forth in the Bible, aren't they, Lowell? They absolutely are. Which means that this is almost all-encompassing in terms of the relevancy of what each one of us is called to do in this life. You know, there's a, uh, a concept. I, I get into this towards the end of, uh, of the book, but there's a concept, and it's not original to me, certainly, and actually it's Hebrew. The, uh, the word avodah, mm-hmm. uh, that it's... Worship? Uh, sometimes it's translated as worship. Sometimes it's translated as service. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's translated as work. It's a word that's used in Genesis 2 when, when Adam was to work the garden. Um, and, uh, and, so and sometimes it means multiple of those definitions. Uh-huh. The, the, the Hebrew word pulls that all together. And I just like, oh, my goodness, my very work, <laughs> the work of my hands are a source um, of worship to our God. Or at least they can be. They can. They can be a source of worship to God or to the contrary. For instance, if you're generating porn, uh, that's not exactly a work of worship toward God, is it? That's absolutely right. Yes, absolutely. But the opportunity is there for us to take the work of our hands and to uh, be awed by our our Creator and what He has done, and to to, to worship him in the midst of that. Why, why do you think this is so important to write a book about? What is it you want to accomplish well, here? Yeah, uh, great question. I mean, uh, you know, for my own journey, I did full-time ministry for, uh, for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, grew up in a family context where there, you know, or church context where there, we supported many missionaries, and that was great mm-hmm. that we, we did that, but I uh, always felt like, well, if I'm really serious about my walk with the Lord, do I need? Uh, does this affect my career change? And uh, and ultimately, uh, I decided that that wasn't the case. But in many ways, spent the rest of my life after I left uh, campus ministry uh, trying to piece, piece that together as to why work was so significant to me mm-hmm. you know and i would i would hit these these points in my life where it seemed like the most significant spiritual progress was happening in in the context of my work um and so as well and the other side of 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 this is really the number of people that have been in my life who have dreaded work uh, people who are uh, say they're following Jesus, and uh, and I believe they are, but it's almost a total disconnect between their spiritual life and what's happening at work. For for some, uh, it's just a, a total dichotomy. You know, mm-hmm. my faith is what happens maybe in my quiet time in the morning and in church on Sunday. Uh, for others, maybe they you know think about about taking God to work with them in the form of loving others, in the form of ethical decision-making, uh, and so forth. Or during, or and, doing a, a, a responsible and uh, 
wonderful piece of work that is, uh, uh, shall we say, glorifying to God because of its quality. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, yeah. And and those just are are wonderful, wonderful opportunities to uh, to to see the imprint of our God in what He's delivered through other people, uh, through through the creation that we aspects of the of the creation that we work with. If you the know, Bible I, says that uh, that I will never leave you nor forsake you, and we're made in God's image, and His Spirit inhabits us and inhabits the praises of his people, then it seems to me that we're not just taking God into the workplace. We are, in effect, his walking ambassadors. Uh, we are his representatives everywhere we go, whether it's in a, a cabinet shop, whether it's in a uh, under a house or in somebody's kitchen doing plumbing work. Uh, all of those things are extremely honorable and needful and can be done in such a way to reveal God at work right there in that person's kitchen. Absolutely. And that is, you know, and Chuck, I really find that, found that really freeing. When I got to the point where I could say, you know, it isn't just about me even going to work and being, um, practicing good ethics and, and, and good work but that it was an opportunity to go and find the thumbprints of God in my work and to uh to honor him and to uh to to view him the the paradigm is really like a paradigm shift for me mm-hmm. instead of thinking about taking God with me to work it's like God's already there <laughs> God's much bigger than putting him in my pocket and taking him to work <laughs> um, uh, you don't have a pocket big all- enough brother that's a- absolutely not, <laughs> and uh, and so that he's already he's already there, uh, and my my job is to go and meet him there, and meet him in the work that's there, and uh, that's that's a, a fundamental shift in my thinking that was just very pivotal, and uh, and I think uh, is has been helpful for some other people that I've been working with versus going to work and dreading oh. Another day of work, you know. God, there you where go. Are you? What a what a horrible way to have to think. Another yeah. day older and deeper in debt. Saint Peter, don't you help me call me because I can't come. I owe my soul to the company <laughs> store. What a dismal way <laughs> to think about going to work, friends. Here's yeah. the book: Soul Work: Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits uh, by Lowell uh, Busnitz and. Uh, it's, it's $20. It's on our website, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. We'll get the book in your hands. And I believe it's going to be encouraging to you. It might be eye-opening. In fact, it might be life-changing because... How we see something determines oftentimes whether we enjoy it, whether we find meaning and value in it, whether we can thank and praise God for it. There are so many aspects, 
And here's a question that I would just love to to throw out to to you as you're listening today. Are you grateful for the work that you have? Are you grateful to God for the skills that he has given to you? I'm thinking of a gentleman who uh, had no education beyond eighth grade, no education whatsoever. But he was in a business in which he was a glazer. Now, in other words, he helped people get their windows straightened out. He installed windows. He removed glass, replaced glass, and his life, whether it was helping with churches and their glass or your home or whatever, that's what he did. Now, was that valuable? Oh, absolutely. What is it like if you're like my wife and she looks out a window and it's not clear? She's got a problem. And her problem because my problem. Because she doesn't like a window that's not clear. So if somebody is dedicated to providing good, clear windows and replacing those that are broken, replacing those that are having problems, is that not valuable to you? It's helping you to see straight. And just think, his ministry could actually open the door to helping people get the windows of their own life clear if he just knew how to translate one into the other. Soul work, finding God in your uh, work pursuits. Uh, Lowell Busnitz, our special guest here today on Viewpoint. Now, where are you located, Lowell? In Denver, Colorado. Now, that's one of the most liberal towns in the world, in the country. <clears throat> and uh, you're high up. You're you're at 5,000 feet. Uh, it's tough to breathe up there, isn't it? <laughs> I'm working my lungs. I'm doing lots of lung exercises. <laughs> All right. And even in a, a highly political, liberal place like that, uh, can you find a place for God to work? I mean, is he working there? Absolutely. Is. And uh, he is he is alive and well. And, yeah, you know, some people are saying, you know, man, this world's just and this city is it's going to to hell on a handbasket sort of <laughs> sort of thing. And, uh-huh. and in some ways that's true, but there's ways in which other people are saying, "Whoa, this is going in the wrong direction, and I need to get my life squared away uh, for sure." So, yeah, I find there's no end to the opportunities. Whether we're working at home. You're going to have people come into your home, workers come into your home. Uh, You're going to have opportunities in the telephone calls you make from your home. There's no end in sight to the opportunities that you and I have, Lowell, to truly be a minister of our God, no matter what it is we're doing. Of course, unless we're creating porn or something like that. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's that's part of the cutting edge of life, you know. I mean, in the last three years, we've had to learn about uh, Zoom etiquette. (laughs) Oh, boy. Right? 
you know, and uh, and and it's not as personal as face to face, but there's a way to, you know, there are are things that we can do uh, that in, increase our effectiveness of our communication of our presence on a Zoom call versus something else um, or in in person or uh, or a straight phone call. So, so there's always opportunities to uh, to learn and uh, uh, to see God's imprint. And in work, there are tough things that happen. I mean, really yes. tough things. Yeah. Mind-bending things, emotionally bending things, spiritually bending things. We need to talk a little bit about that because how we respond to those things at work may determine whether or not we truly are the ministers of our God. We'll be right back. Stay tuned, friends. This is Viewpoint. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. I was the best math teacher that I could be when I was teaching math for four years. I was the best boys' physical education teacher that I could be when I was doing that for five years, in addition to that coaching, cross-country, and track and field, and uh, so on. I was the best shoe salesman that I could be when selling shoes at Sears during my college education. I was the best lawyer that I could be. I was the best campaigner for the state legislature that I could be when I was doing that, even though I did not win. Did I accomplish God's purpose in doing that? Absolutely looking back. If it had not been for that, I would not have learned the patience necessary to continue on the air here for 28 years. There's so many things, friends, that we learn if we can see what God is doing in and through the specific things he calls us to do. But if we're not willing to do that, if we don't see that God may be at work, then it's all humdrum. It's all, oh, well, look at them. Look what this person has. Look what they can do. No, it's what God is doing in and through you. Lowell, isn't that what this is all about anyway? Yes, it is absolutely what uh, what he can do in us and through us. And, you know, with work, it's, I like to think of it sometimes as it's kind of where the rubber meets the ground. Exactly. You know, it's real life. It is real life. Yeah. Uh, including the hard times. 
and uh, the the ethical breaches that we have to witness far too often in our world. Or are tempted to commit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the greed that's uh, around us. Willing <laughs> to sell our soul for a buck. Just look at what's happening through the president and his family now. Yeah. Willing to sell out his own country for millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's it's painful living through that. Mm. Uh, even <clears throat> and uh, when we're when it happens in our workplace context, and maybe we're not even directly uh, directly uh, connected to it uh, in any way, or uh, but but it still is uh, is painful when it happens, and and the mm. default mode is to kind of say, man, I want to go take a job with. A company where my values uh, align better mm-hmm. with, uh, with the ownership or the or the management or something like that. And you know, God does move us around, but I, but He also calls us to be a light in uh, in dark places. And uh, I think uh, I think when these when these difficulties happen, oh my goodness, um, I, I you know to us personally, or we were watching them and, and somebody else. It's just, uh, it also becomes an uh, amazing opportunity. I think C.S. Lewis who said that God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, and the, the difficult times at work are, are amazing times for us to come and cry out to God, <laughs> whether that was a failure that, that we, uh, that, that we were a part of in some way, or uh-huh. whether it's the, the greed that we're having to live with or the moral failures of colleagues who are bragging about what they did on the weekends. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it still is a, it's, it's an opportunity for us to be a light to them. And, uh, and, uh, cling to the Lord. I, I think the difficult time, I think one of the the greatest advantages of hard times <laughs> is that it, it it causes us to cling to the Lord. Uh, and that's where real soul work happens. Exactly. Well, where there's no test, there's no testimony, is there? <laughs> <laughs> the testimony comes through the test. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, The testimony comes through the test. Amen. (laughs) You know, uh, I think every single one of us, if we sat down for half an hour, could list half a dozen things in which uh, we were seriously tested uh, in the context of our work, choices that we had to make uh, either for or against something, uh, things that we could have said and didn't say, or we should have said and didn't say, uh, or should not have said and did say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there, it's, it's no wonder that the psalmist said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, because our words in the workplace are critical. They're the seeds of the sole seeds of the kingdom for good or for ill, aren't they? 
they absolutely are and uh and we all and we all blow it <laughs> and uh and say the wrong thing or don't take the opportunity to say the right thing when we should have when the moment of opportunity was there but uh but those are also learning opportunities and and uh and times to humble ourselves before the lord and uh and to to call on him let me give you a uh, an illustration in contrast I, I can't illustrate other people's lives. I can only illustrate through my own. Uh, I practiced law for 20 years, and uh, a, th- a fourth of my, or actually a third of my practice was in the area of family law, in the largest family law court system in the country, the Los Angeles Superior Court System. And uh, I was having a conversation with a an attorney who professed to be a Christian. And he also was involved uh, in a significant way in the family law arena, and so I, I asked him, I said, Dave, how is it that you can continue on and represent people who are seeking a divorce? Don't you tell them what God says about divorce? I mean, yes, you can represent them, which I do. I mean, God even told Moses, okay, they're so stubborn, they're so hard hard to give them a divorce. But... Uh, don't you tell them, warn them what God says about this? And here was his answer. Well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but uh, that's not my calling. My calling is not to tell them what the Bible says about it. My calling is just to do the law thing. And I thought to myself, what a lost opportunity. Yeah. He has no convictions. Yeah. No convictions whatsoever. He's lost one of the major imports that God could have had through his life. Because there isn't Absolutely. a single client that ever came through my law office that I did not warn. If they were looking for a divorce, they did not warn and talk to them about the seriousness of what they were contemplating and what they could do to perhaps avoid making such a decision. So even there, even though they would not necessarily follow my uh, advice or my warnings, I did what God wanted me to do. Isn't that what John the Baptist did? He wooed and warned the people. Isn't that a high calling from God? No matter where we are, whether we're in in the law office, whether we're in uh, some sort of a business adventure somewhere, uh, there has to be a courage of our convictions, doesn't there? Absolutely, there needs to be, and I it just you know, and I think he by by your colleague taking that road, I, he essentially uh, figuratively blocked God out of uh, a big chunk of his life, uh, a missed opportunity to uh, to draw near to the Lord, and uh, that's that's unfortunate. It's sad. You know, even as a coach. Uh, even as a uh, there in, in teaching physical education, when my students saw that I was willing to do all of the exercises that I required of them, it was amazing the respect that they gained toward me as a person. So then they were able to look at what I stood for in my life and say, yeah. hmm, I want to follow that. 
Yeah. I, there, there's just so much. Our influence is what's important, isn't it? It, it is. You know, and, and and to take that even a step further, Chuck, I you know, when you did that with coaching these guys and their, their running and, and uh, athletics, you know, I mean, I bet there were multiple times where you kind of marveled <laughs> at the at how different boys responded and and uh, how certain when you would do certain things they really got motivated yeah. or sometimes when you did something else uh, <laughs> they did you know demotivated <laughs> them uh, but how to get behind them and and uh, I just think those kind of settings are also amazing opportunities to see the handiwork of God very rewarding. Very rewarding. Is, yeah. And I, I think is teaching is man? one of the great uh, callings. Uh, you don't make a lot of money doing it, but teaching is one of the great callings. Unfortunately, in our world, ever since the uh, late 1960s when I began to teach, uh, things were turned upside down, and a, a teacher's life, you had to really be courageous to uh, communicate uh, faith, your love, your confidence in Christ, those kinds of things, you had to be very courageous to be able to share them with your kids. Yep, yep. And I think a lot of teachers are are struggling today. You know, they, oh. <laughs> they're compromising, 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 think that they have no choice but to do what the administration is telling them to do. Where are the people who are willing to stand? even in the teaching profession. Where are the pastors who are willing to stand? I mean, the same problems are in the pastorate. Yes. I see it all over from coast to coast. It's one of the reasons why our country's in the mess we're in, because we have people, no matter what jobs they're in, they're not seizing the opportunity to truly be the representatives for Christ even in our churches. It's unbelievable. We'll be right back, friends. The book, Soul Work, Finding God in Your Entrepreneurial Pursuits. $20 is going to put this in your hands. It's going to be so encouraging to you. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. Go to website, saveus.org. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewport. Our special guest today, Laurel uh, Buznitz, with his book, Soul Work. Uh, it's about our soul, mind, will, and emotions that are carried in these tabernacles, these bodies that we have. 
that God intends that our souls uh, be prosperous and that we use our mind, will, and emotions to honor and glorify him through our work. But, Lowell, here's a question that I have for you. This is mind-boggling. How is it that somebody like Jesus, who was had the omniscience and omnipresence and insight and wisdom of God, could choose some renegade fisherman and a tax collector, a despised tax collector, to be his representatives to carry out his work on this planet. That's mind-boggling. He must have thought that there was something redemptive about their seemingly irrelevant and despised work. <laughs> well, and uh, and look at his own work that you referenced earlier, you know? He worked for, in all probability, about 18 years uh, as a carpenter, stone stonemason, whatever he was, mm-hmm. uh, before, before he started his ministry. And then when he started his ministry, how many times did he refer to the workplace? You know, look at the parables. Mm-hmm. Uh, how often they refer to the merchant who was looking for the fine, fine uh, jewels, um, uh, the uh, the manager, the the vineyard keeper, the the builder who uh, didn't count the cost, and the farmer building, building, and the farmer scattering the seeds. You know, I mean, he was he was reaching out into into their uh, into their world and the work world as mm-hmm. such an an amazing uh, more than an illustration, just hands on. Uh, this is where God is, uh, you know, and this is these are pictures of, of who God is. Maybe so it was the I... connection with work that actually helped to make Jesus' message of the gospel relevant. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think he, he, he's doing that with us right now. Mm-hmm. I agree. Our work, where we're at right now, the things that are happening, the 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 pieces of of uh, of nature that that are involved that is showing us his thumbprint to the people we're working with to the tough times that we have to endure and uh, work through and try to make sense of and come to call on his name because of them those are are amazing catalyzers if you will to use kind of a big word there to uh, personally bring us. Uh, and pursue our our walk with with the Lord, our, our soul work, if you please. There was a period of time uh, earlier on in my twenties when I was uh, pretty heavily engaged in mountaineering, uh, rock climbing, peak climbing, that kind of thing. And uh, I was just thinking now, how about a guide? How about somebody who was an expert in uh, in mountaineering? who is leading people, say, to climb Mount Rainier or some of the 14,000-foot peaks there in Colorado or uh, Mount Kilimanjaro or Mount uh, Whitney or uh, Mount Everest. But these guys have the ability. Let's let's say it's a, a true follower of Christ who's, who's leading people on some of those uh, journeys. What an incredible influence that person could be. I learned so much 
about persevering, about uh, uh, patience and persevering and enduring uh, through those experiences that are have enabled me to do many other things that God has called me to do. Just imagine what such a, a person's influence could be, and yet we would think, oh, that's totally irrelevant work. Yeah, not at all. And my goodness, how often in, in if you're running the mountains like that, how often do you come uh, face to face with with God in His in the weather and and uh, you know you just you, you learn to respect. <laughs> well, that's for sure. The, uh, the, the rocks you're climbing on and and the weather and and uh, and so forth, the things that are that He's put in place. You God know, when I read place. the Psalms. And I, I read, the Lord is my rock and my salvation. You know what comes to my mind? A massive granite rock that I have been, I've been on or looked to. And when I see that, then I can have a visceral understanding of what yeah. the psalmist is talking about. The Lord is my rock. And then to be able to communicate that to someone else. Yeah. yeah. Experiences that we have are part of our greater life work. And we have to understand how to translate those into other people's lives, I think. Amen. I just, I, I so agree with that. I, if I can go one more example in Scripture. Go ahead. Work. In a in a way that I think is 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 the uh, Samaritan woman. She was a water gatherer. She came they came came to the well apparently uh, every noonish time mm-hmm. and uh, and gathered her water, and uh, and Jesus strikes up a conversation with her, um, and, uh, and and so not only. And she was not a particularly willing conversationalist. He had to pull her out a little. Uh, Yeah, right. Much to her chagrin. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, And I suspect that Jesus had shown up at her front door. Uh, He would have have not gotten to first base with her. Uh, She would not have let the door open. Uh, That that... That opened her workplace, being a water water gatherer, opened up her door. Secondly, Mm -hmm. look at what he did. He offered her the living water, (laughs) the illustration of the very nature of her work that she was engaged with there. Uh, And I guess I would just leave that along with so many of the parables and so forth. And what is what is God saying to uh, to us through our work? What? Uh, what what illustration of who he is is he giving to us in our work and wanting to, to touch our lives to, to show us his living presence among us? You know, what you're really saying there, Lowell, is that our concept of evangelism is kind of phony. It's kind of phony. <laughs> we think of evangelism as a project or a program. No, yeah. it's about a life expression. Yeah. That's how we're supposed to touch people's lives, not through some program, some artificial system to try to go out and depersonalize people to give them the gospel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So our work is one of the 
classic ways in which we're supposed to reach people and touch people's lives for the kingdom. And I think when when our when we allow Jesus to touch our lives through our work, uh, whether that's through students in the classroom or the glass we're working with or whatever, whatever, uh, and we see his thumbprints in that, that sooner or later that radiates to our colleagues um, and uh, to then be able to give verbal expression to uh, why our work is so uh, uh, interesting and enthralling to us uh, as well as our, our respect for the Savior and the, and the, the, uh, the original creator who, uh, who put these things in place. And uh, I just think those are amazing opportunities. And we see work in, in that light, that, that that really opens up doors for the workplace. Loving your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor then Absolutely. becomes the people that you're working with. Yep. How do you do that? How do you reach to them? Uh, you have to show that you care for them. It's it's like somebody has said, people don't know how much you care, uh, uh, how much you know until they know how much you care. So you can, you can hit them over the head with the gospel, and it's going to go yeah. nowhere. But if they realize that you really care, there may come yeah. a moment in time when a year or two or three years of caring and concern in their life opens the door for the moment when they're ready to talk more sincerely about their their eternal destiny. Yep. So those are, are that's an excellent statement about being, uh, and, and how often can we use, to, to stretch us a bit further, our giftedness in the workplace. And uh, when a colleague around us is, is struggling with a statistical analysis or how to repair a given machine or or how to craft uh, a paragraph that's really important. And, and maybe we have an ability to, to do that pretty well, and they're, they're really struggling with this. For us to come in beside a colleague and, and help them out, uh, and uh, we, gain, we gain their attention. And then someday down the road, you know, when they're having a, a really hard time when their life is coming unglued that we have loved our neighbor and uh, um, and, and then the opportunities come the Bible says that uh, there is no fear in love but love casts out fear which means that we're equipped if we're truly walking with the Lord in the light of his word we're equipped to respond in every situation with the love of Christ and to do so without fear. Fear has torment, and that's what keeps us from connecting with other people. But if we truly love the Lord, then we're going to see ourselves everywhere we go as a kingdom ambassador. In the seemingly insignificant places, for instance, let's suppose that uh, in your particular business, you have to go to the post office and deliver uh, boxes. Some people are doing this every day. They're, they they have a homework, the home job, and they're on the Internet or whatever. Well, they go to the post office, and they have these uh, 
boxes that they're taking in to sell. Well, guess what? Every one of those days you go in, you have an opportunity to speak to the lady at the desk, at the counter, and to show your care and concern for that person. Do you know, Lowell, that through that, I have had the opportunity over uh, years to be able to establish relationships with those persons in the post office itself? It's it's amazing if we really see people. One of the prayers that my wife and I uh, pray regularly is, Lord, help us to see people today the way you see them. Amen. Because we live in a busy, uh, you know, the a hurry up life, don't we? Absolutely. You know, and 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 it's just easy to to go through the motions of busyness. I need to get this done. You know, these three things done in the next hour. You know, right. Uh, and we uh, and and we cast off the potential relationship opportunities. And you know, how many how many people go through the post office line really are going to ask meaningful questions. Hey, how's your day going? You know, what's happening? And this is a busy season for you, isn't it? Or how about the waitress? Yeah. You're out for a business lunch. Yeah. How about the waiter or the waitress? Do they know that you care for them? You know, one of the things that uh, uh, I've, I've come to the habit of doing is asking every waiter or waitress their name. And then... I say, do you know what it means? And oftentimes they don't. So on my cell phone, while they're gone, I check out the meaning of their name and share it with them. It's amazing the effect. They know now that I care for them. Yeah, they're not going to forget you. No. You know, thank you so much, uh, Lowell, for joining us here today on Viewpoint, talking about our work. Friends, the book is a $20 book, Soul Work. It's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. and Or give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Become a partner, friends. We're partnering with God. Do you see that? God bless and be a blessing. Your soul at work. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.